Hello and a warm welcome to the MoveLib52 podcast from your hosts Roland and Galena. I'm Roland and I am a skill-based weight loss coach who lost 110 pounds myself 17 years ago, kept it off ever since, and now I help my clients and readers to do the same. And I'm Galena, I'm a movement specialist and a trauma therapist, supporting people with chronic and persistent pain and recovering from emotional eating. This is your first time with us. Head on over to eatmovelift52.com slash podcast guest. Get your free download and uh, see how you can work with us. And now on to the show. Hi and welcome to a very special episode of the Eat Move Live 52 podcast, Kids at Home where we have gathered with friends and experts to talk about this unusual time, this challenging time of lockdown, and how we can best support our children at home while we also support ourselves through self-care and really, really reaching the best parts of ourselves. I hope that you have a listen. We are joined by our friend Lisa Gillespie as a co-host. And then we have interviews by Dr. Mike Valentine, Dr. April Graham, our friend and mentor, Katie Bowman, and our colleague, Joanna Zaremba. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you love this episode. It serves you, it blesses you and your families, and that you share it with loved ones. Hello, everyone. We're here for a very special episode of the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. And um, we have not two, but three hosts today. I'm here with Roland. I'm here. We also have our friend, Lisa Gillespie. Hi, Lisa. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, Lisa. It's so good to have you here. And um, here. it's just such such a great joy to, to see your face and... Uh, Usually by this time we would have hugged you, but we are talking in this interesting time where we are all in still in isolation. And uh, you are in Ohio, we are in Colorado, and we're, our stay at home um, is still active. It's the beginning of May. And how about where you are? Yeah, we are just starting um, to have some reduction in the stay at home. They're opening some businesses I believe restaurants are starting to open, although carryout has been an option. So construction is starting to open, but there's still, from what I've heard, there's going to be three phases of opening. So we're just in the first stage of starting to uh, make a shift with things. Yeah. And you're home and kids are at home from school and they'll stay yeah. at home till the end of the school year. Yes. The school year has officially been, uh, there will be no returning to school for this school year. So that, and next school year is somewhat still up in the air. We're waiting to hear more about how that's going to unfold. Yeah. Thank you. So we have you here in um, your many roles. We have you here as a, as a trauma therapist. We have you here as a friend, as a mom. Um, and um I would love for our listeners, you know, to, to have as many voices as possible as we open this podcast that has this episode not only has us here talking 
but we've also interviewed um, four different people who are bringing their wisdom, their experience, their expertise, their advice, their guidance for this unusual time that we've never been in before. And um, I just wanted to kind of open with just hearing how has it been for you? How has it been for your kids as a transition? And then how has it been for Roland, for you, for your coaching clients, for your authors? Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about me briefly. Cool. Yeah. So um, I have a almost 11 year old and my youngest just turned three. So I think part of the, the challenge has been having a child that's so young and um, they have different needs. So depending on what age they are, they're going to have different needs. So my oldest is in school. So the struggle that she has had is being away from her friends and having to do school online has been a relatively smooth transition for her and her school has been incredibly supportive and lots of interaction with her teachers, which I know is other students aren't as fortunate to have that contact. But it's been a relatively smooth transition for her, but still there's been the grief of not being able, when the school year officially was ended or when she was officially told that she wasn't gonna be going back, that, there was a lot of grief around that. And her birthday is this month and she enjoys celebrating that at school with her friends. So that was another loss that she was navigating. So it's been, a process of supporting her and navigating these different losses and then what other supports can we put in place to help her and part of that has been making sure that she and I have time together whether yesterday we took time to watch a movie together and hung out and having some one-on-one -on -one time has been really important it's also been important to make sure she has social contact. So we've kind of explored some screen options. We're playing with uh, kids messenger so that she can stay in contact with some of her friends from school. It's not my favorite thing, but I'm also having to be flexible with things that I might not otherwise have considered as I'm sure other people are during these times as well. Um, Zoom, she's been chatting with friends on Zoom and so we've been making more of an effort to stay connected with friends in ways that are possible in this stay at home. She also has a neighborhood friend and they go on daily social distance walks and uh, around the neighborhood. So they are able to maintain their six feet apart and still be able to talk with each other as they stroll around the neighborhood. So that's that's been really good for her to still have some in-person contact with someone and we're fortunate to have that in our neighborhood and then for my youngest she had started preschool this year and really loved it loved her teachers and the other kids and so we've done some video calls with one of her favorite classmates that she gets to see and that's been fun although it's also you know at three it's a little chaotic navigating phone conversations but it's nice that we can do it via video and they can see each other. Um, and then her preschool last week and this week as well, they did just a short 15, 20 minute Zoom meetup for the kids with the teachers and sang a song together. Kids got to check in or share something that 
show the their classmates something that they had or tell them something that was important to them and then they close with another song so it's been helpful to see that some of her preschool teachers have also read books on video and shared the videos of them reading books so she has really enjoyed that and that's been a lot but for both of them getting outside has been hugely important um, for us to just spend time outside be in the fresh air even if it's spring here in ohio so the weather's kind of hit or miss and even if it's raining get outside somewhat and put a raincoat on or umbrella just so that we get that interaction. And for me, getting outside has been this really helpful thread of normalcy <laughs> because even though so much is different in our world, nature is still unfolding in a relatively predictable rhythm. And so it's like, okay, here are things that are the same even in the midst of so many things that are different. And I know that that really is helping me regulate and helping me kind of find my sense of grounding and being able to be present for my kids and support them in the way that I want to. Yeah, that's beautiful. So are your, I'm sure your littlest one is not really, it's probably different, but like, do you discuss with your older daughter, like how, like these things that you're doing to help her adjust or do you just put the situations in place to, so that like, like you're not making her aware, Hey, we're doing this so you can keep it, you know, adjusted or are you just right. putting the situations right. in place, you know, and letting it happen after that, you know, like spending more time with her, not saying, Hey, we need to spend more time together because right. you know, how, how are you handling that? Yeah. That's been more of, a spontaneous thing but then it's also been reading what's going on for her and so one of my clues is when she is more impatient with her younger sister when she is um, more snappy if I ask her to do something that you know those are clues to me that all is not well in her world and then a lot of times too she'll initiate and ask and say you know hey mom I'm really missing you I'm also in grad school full-time so that's been another thing that's that hasn't slowed down at all with COVID so still having due dates and things that are due and still keeping up with my internship hours all of that has stayed the same so there's been kind of the additional challenge of navigating kids at home and schooling tendencies so trying for me to be mindful of that and then also just reading the temperature of our interactions together and getting a sense of okay things are not all good in her world she's needing more support and conscientiously making time for that i i like how it it sounds more dynamic um as opposed to prescriptional like these are the good mm -hmm. things to do but really kind of taking the temperature of how they're doing and then you adjusting with them. What's been helpful for you to get your own support and regulation? You mentioned nature. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you have found helpful? I know that you're so incredibly busy. Your life is so full with grad school and clients and your kids and family and, you know, running a house. Uh, mm -hmm. 
so what has been helpful for you other than nature? Yeah, the other thing that's been really key and I've been doing this pretty consistently since my youngest was born is going to bed early because with a little one, you never know what your night's going to be like, even at three, things can be relatively unpredictable. And so going to bed early pretty much ensures I get a certain solid chunk of sleep, even if things get disrupted at some point during the night. And, you know, there have been some times when I've just had to stay up late to get an assignment done for school. And it really makes such a big difference if I go to bed early versus if I stay up. So I know a lot of people, especially with kids at home, are struggling to have alone time and have been staying up later once the kids go to bed to get some of that. And it really is such a trade-off between getting the sleep you need versus having some of that much needed important alone time. And for me, I just find that getting the sleep I need is so crucial to being able to function well for my kids. And it makes such a huge difference for me and my patients when I get to bed earlier than later. So that's been really important. Also connecting with staying connected with friends, um, whether it's even just text, my sisters and I, we text each other regularly during the day. Um, you know, I have people who I call regularly or some of my preschool mom friends, we do Zoom chats once a week so we can have some contact that way. So being able to have some adult interaction, which I also get by virtue of um, my clients, although obviously they're not in a support role for me and I have to be mindful that I'm in a place that I'm not seeking support from them. Um, but even being in a supportive role for my counseling clients, it's still helpful to have an adult conversation and to have a time where I'm not constantly being interrupted by kids. So that, that has been helpful for me, even though it is an additional demand on my time. Um, I've still been coming into my office because nobody else is in the building and my office mate has not been in the office since this went down and I'm able to see clients online. So I have the, the good fortune of usually once a day getting to come to a relatively quiet space. And even though I'm working, it's work I love doing and it still gives my nervous system <laughs> a chance to settle and not just not have that constant stimulus of kids and interruption has been helpful. Um, and then I have different tools that I use and it's things that, you know, just like in a little moment of as I'm standing, drinking my water, noticing my feet and feeling my feet and checking with my body or having a moment with my kids where we're hanging out and I'm just really fully present with them and I'm with them in a way that I'm not distracted and I'm not trying to juggle multiple things at a time. I find it's for me it's more the juggling things that increases my stress level and sometimes you have to do what you have to do but if I cannot try to do more things than I absolutely have to 
that's also really helpful. So setting reasonable expectations and actually lowering my expectations has been really important. That's all super helpful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I love hearing about the, the moments, the, um, like what we, what we call like micro, like a micro modulation, just like exactly. really allowing your nervous system to go the other way a little bit. I'm curious to hear, this is the first episode we've done during um, this stay at home time. And Roland, I'm curious to hear in, in, for you, how you've handled the time. Um, what have you put in place to help yourself? And what are you helping your, your writing clients with? Or your, your health coaching clients too with? Um, it's mostly giving themselves permission to not be so like, um, so strict and focused, mostly on nutrition. Like I find that they're, they're, they don't really seem to like, if I suggest that they move more, they don't have a problem with that. Like they're looking for ways to move more, move differently. And they don't really feel, um, any sort of guilt or apprehension either way. Like, so it's pretty neutral. They, they like an encouragement, but they, I feel like they're, because especially at first when the food was, the food limitations were a little bit, you know, you'd go to the store and things would be like unusual choices. They were also, I think, falling back on nostalgic foods a little bit more and, more, you know, more pasta and rice and carbs and things. <laughs> People were posting pictures of like things that they used to eat when they were kids that they, they're trying like SpaghettiOs and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying again and um but it's like over time they've sort of settled in a little bit to where now they're a there's more things available and they're realizing that they don't feel so good when they're eating that so they're seeing the, the benefits of you know going back to a little bit healthier more normal real food kind of diets but giving themselves permission to um, not be so productive i think that's the big thing like i have to use the words grief and forgive yourself and relax, you know, allow you, you know, just like permission, like so much more than I did before. As a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and for your authors, um, for the authors, they have the same, you know, stresses as everybody else, but for a lot of my authors, it's not their full-time job. It's like their hobby or they want to make it their full-time job one way. But right now if they, you know, realistically they have to focus on, the stuff that's making them money or their kids are at home they're now there's you know they're homeschooling or they're at least helping them with like you know you can't just st stick a you know a seven-year-old in front of zoom <laughs> or in front of like some sort of an online learning platform and then go do your work because like every 10 minutes it's like how do i make the next video go or you know you know you want to make sure that some mysterious person doesn't pop up on Zoom, you know, with those Zoom bombers going on, right? So it's, it just takes a lot. So there's so many, it's the, it's like in the technology world, we talk about the CPU spinning. There's like these programs running in the background that are constantly there and they're taking away your energy and you don't even know they're there. So you have to relax and let other things, let other things happen. So I'm just encouraging them to look at like, what's the low hanging fruit of things that they can do to reduce their, their inputs, right? And, or, or reduce their stress. 
So look at the things that are easiest. It doesn't have to be like, if you can walk more, if you can go outside and spend five minutes outside in the sunlight, like those are big helpers compared to um, feeling guilty and like, I'm, I have to clean the garage, right? Well, that's hours and hours of work and like lots of interruptions and that might not help. So just looking at reframing it differently, things that can help you, things that you want to do that can help you versus things that you want to do that probably are gonna take a lot of energy, um, maybe postpone those until things have sort of evened out a little bit. Yeah, and how have you been doing this for yourself? What have you found is helping you? What changes have you made? Um, I set reminders to go walk more regularly. So I used to go on really long walks a couple times a day. So now I try to go on shorter walks multiple times per day. And um, try to find you know opportunities for like I used to listen to I used to have a lot more quiet time and so now I need my now my quiet time is like a walk so I, I listen to podcasts less or I listen to audiobooks less and I like a pick and choose like which ones am I going to listen to what's interesting I have so many podcasts I've subscribed to but if I look I'm like just they keep coming in <laughs> but I don't have time to listen to them all right so I just have to reprioritize and pick and choose and uh, remind myself to to eat more regularly and not get super hungry because we have a time like Galina and I work at home so there's like timing issues too like I can't afford to wait till I'm starving to go get something to eat because she might be recording something and now I, I can't make noise in the kitchen right? and vice versa. So, All of my recordings have a background of tacos now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. For me, I think the, the biggest change I've made is I've allowed more time um, in the morning to just get ready for my day. So I, I got so tired. I had so much fatigue the first few weeks. It was just horrible. That's why Lisa earlier, when you said that you were feeling tired, asked you, are you normal tired or COVID tired? Because the COVID tired is like an, it, it's a very different kind of tiredness. Um, it's like an emotional nervous system fatigue. And I had so much of it and I've, I've changed my bedtime going to bed earlier and I'm leaving a little more time in the morning and we don't have kids at home. So for us, it's been, you know, we're really in a better position than most people to have personal space and personal time, but I've added more practices to open my breath and take care of the nerves in my body. Um, than like strength training or yoga or stretching or restorative exercise, I've been doing more, taking care of the, the hardware of, of stress uh, than I have ever before. So I might do some sort of a breathing, Vegas, belly kind of practice almost every morning, whereas before I wouldn't do it every day. So it's been a big change. And I've also started taking some classes for myself. Like usually most of the classes that I take are education so I can use with my clients. And I've started taking some self-care classes I started taking a cranial self-care class that I'm trying to drag Roland into for the month of May and some, um, some healing, some energy healing classes online. And so that's been new for me because it's not something that I use with my clients so much, but my body needs, and that's been a big shift because, you know, I have a little bit of an, of a healthy addiction to learning 
And so it's always, how can I use this? <clears throat> I think we're very similar in that. Um, you and I, we've been in multiple courses together throughout the years. Um, but it's this, how can this be useful? Whereas now it's like, how can I receive this to nourish myself? And that's been a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in kind of conclusion, before we move to um, playing the interviews that we did, Lisa, what do you find is something that parents can do at a time that they feel that they're kind of tapped out, they're exhausted, um, they might be having a short fuse, but their kids are also losing it. So these are kind of like the, the really intense moments in parenting where you feel like you're reactive and your child is reactive. What are some things like in the heat of the moment that you have found have helped you and um, your spouse? With, with yeah, your I would say the, the best thing that I can do is to tap into some playfulness, which when you're tapped out can, can be tricky, but it, it is always for me, the thing that shifts things the quickest and the easiest is if I'm able to engage in some kind of playfulness or make something silly or something like that. Another favorite thing that we've been doing more is, um, putting on a song that we all like and just dancing, dancing in the kitchen, just, you know, being goofy together, but some kind of movement, something that can really help shift the, the mood. So whether it's play or dance, those have kind of been our two go-tos. And then especially with play, you just start being silly or you start laughing. And that is such a great way to change my mood and change my kids' moods as well yeah do you find that dancing in place something that you kind of need to bank like make sure that you do some of it every day so that there's more space in our systems or is that something that you're like oh things are not going well i'm feeling tapped out they're they're kind of reactive and now i do it yeah i think banking it would be ideal <laughs> and <clears throat> banking it isn't something that um I've had the bandwidth to do. So it has been more of a, in the moment, here we are, the plane is starting to go down. What can we do? Dance. <laughs> Turn it around. <laughs> Dance on the falling plane. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, in our mornings when we're making breakfast is another time when we'll put on music and dance. So it's not always when it's in a crisis, but I wouldn't say it's as mindful as, banking it but it's more still more of a spontaneous kind of fun thing that yeah. we'll engage in beautiful thank you and before i let you go because you are like a library of amazing resources if you could suggest one parenting book to parents right now who are really looking to kind of sink their teeth into some rerouting of how maybe things are going is there one book that you recommend yeah, and let me see if I can pull up the author of it really quick. There's a book on playing with your kids, and if I can't pull it up here quickly, I'll give it to you, Selena, so you can put it in the show notes. I don't have it here, but um, 
I'll put it in but the I'll show get notes. it to you. Yeah. And the author, I mean, he just really makes such an important case for regular physical play, like pillow fights or being goofy or um, changing roles. Like I'll do this. I, I've actually done this with both kids as they're growing up intentionally putting them in a position of power where I was the one who mm-hmm. um, like putting them in the role of the monster or if I'm the monster putting them in the role of scaring the monster away and having me retreat so you know these you are the monster yeah I am the monster <laughs> that is so, so giving cool. them an opportunity to be in the role of, of the position of power um and even some physicality of pushing. Um, so we've done that over the years and yeah. both girls have really enjoyed that. And I, you know, my oldest and I, we still will play um, now and again. And I, that book really helped. I read it when she was younger and I think the author has some really great words of wisdom about the importance of play and getting physical with kids for, helping to release emotions, helping to restore a sense of connection, mm-hmm. really important things. So Beautiful. Yeah. So I'll wait for that and we'll put it in the show notes. And okay. further on, one of our interviews for listeners, as you're just starting to listen to this episode, is um, with a colleague who teaches play with kids and she has a couple of book recommendations in there as well. So you'll be getting a wealth of information for your library. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us and uh, co-hosting and opening this episode. Um, Your presence in the world gives me hope. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to be here with both of you. Thanks again. It was wonderful. And uh, hope to talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. See you soon. Take care. We asked Katie Bowman, biomechanist, writer, educator, one of the world leaders of the movement movement, how this transition has been for her and her children. Katie, thank you so much for agreeing to contribute to our listeners, many of whom are your um, really, really loving fans. Um, and so we're, we're recording this to kind of give parents different viewpoints from different people about how they can best take care of themselves and also how to support their kids during these times of, um, of uh, social distancing. And I'm sure that many people have reached out to you for uh, consolation or advice or comfort um, since you're so many people look up to in the, in the natural movement world. So tell me, how are you handling this very different challenge in your own body? Um, How has it affected you? How are you adapting personally? Oh, well, I would say that I probably, like so many other parents out there, um, am struggling (laughs) on a day-to-day basis. I feel like I'm struggling more than is typical. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm someone who, when I don't have the answer to something, my personality type is to research, to think, to solve. And um, 
and in this case, and in also many cases, there is no answer to, to why. Like I always think I'll suffer less if I can just figure out why. Um, and so I just realized early on that that wasn't, that wasn't going to be a solution to figure out why I'm in the situation that I am to just go, I'm in the situation that I am. So I guess, you know, there's the acceptance phase. Um, for us, I don't know, I, it, our day-to-day don't, doesn't look that much different than our day-to-day beforehand. I mean, it's certainly quite different, but we didn't have our kids, you know, in a five-day school all day long. We were already doing some sort of homeschooling or alternative education. We had already figured out how to exercise in our house. So I didn't have to deal with figuring out those issues. I mean, everyone's in a different geographical region, but I am still dealing with how to quickly adapt to all new systems across the board, friendships, parenting, movement, uh, self-care, food, safety, you know, all these things just come onto the plate all at the same time. So just taking um, one at a time has been what I've done, given myself lots of um, <laughs> kindness. You know, like if you teach a kid something, they're like, I just can't get it. You know, you're, you're not berating them for not getting it fast enough. So just treating myself with kid gloves of going, it's going to take time to get these new systems. And um, I've enjoyed coming up with solutions for what for us has emerged to be the biggest issue, which is um, our lack of other people that really, we, we still have space. We're fortunate enough to have space for walking and outside time and nature, but what's missing for us has been others. It's been community um, and uh, so many of the solutions have really been a lot of more technology or online based. And so I've been trying to challenge myself to come up with non-online versions to get the education and the movement and the community and that's how I, so I guess it's a little bit of my personality, which is to create new systems, to solve problems, uh, accepting that I can't control so many things. And then, oh, and I, I guess I've always just moving a little bit every day because it really does make you feel better. And when I'm not feeling good to go, you know, how much have you moved? Can you move a little bit right now? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you. I really love the analogy of, you know, we're thinking so much about how do we support our kids uh, these days emotionally and um, in, in every way with, you know, showing them how we're handling it, but treating ourselves with the same kindness, kid gloves, as you said, uh, is probably mm -hmm. also really, really helpful right now. There is, there is a need to soften in a situation where we feel like we should be providing the solutions I'm really curious, um, you are already moving a lot indoors uh, and outdoors. I'm curious for those people that might just be starting, maybe somebody who's in an apartment or doesn't have access to nature or they're in complete lockdown where they can't leave the premises like many people are all over the world and some here in the state. Um, what would you say would be doable um, or a place to start? 
moving moving in place well, i mean I, I, yeah i think i'm i wrote a whole i think moving in place because it's been my perspective for a while not to that language but the idea that movement can work for individuals and families who live in small apartments now we're actually experiencing not even being able to leave that framework. But the first recommendation that I put out there right off the bat was make space, not space in the existential sense, emotional space, mental space, physical space. So our houses aren't set up for movement, our small apartments aren't set up for movement, but you can quickly push those coffee tables to the side. Now is the time to pull off those knickknacks that you're afraid of you know, people breaking and take them down and put them off to the side because they're not a priority right now. Um, and just uh, create a little floor space and you don't have to buy anything. Uh, you just have to rearrange a few things. It's okay if it doesn't look well because nobody's coming over to see it anyway <laughs> right now. So just to do that, give yourself some literal breathing room, moving room, um, and then it's going to translate to you seeing more potential because the volume is now there and available for you or your children. Right. And would you say kids pretty spontaneously take up that space once it's available to them? To yes, children are goldfish. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they. Like they, they're, um, you know, all animals, they really understand now that animals move in response to the environments that they're in. So we're a sedentary culture and our homes sort of reflect that. So now since the home is the everything, this is actually a nice time to say, does my home provide so many of these things, you know, like space? And then on the flip side to that, so our, our house was already pretty movement savvy we already had you know monkey bars and all these uh, ways that our kids could move in the house but what our house was missing and what i needed to do for my corrective in this case was add more comfort to our home because our life i mean it's very ayurvedic way approach or holistic approach of looking at it where we had created so much movement and almost discomfort is not the right word, but pressure to stay moving in our house that in this time where we were missing other people and the feeling of safety and all these comfortable things, our house had a deficit of comfort. Mm -hmm. So we had to add in comfort because that was what was missing for our family and our home. So there's no right or wrong way. It's just to look at what are the nutrients that your home is allowing? What is it lacking in and bringing those in? So for me, it was bringing in pillows and comforters and nooks and more things that said, we're gonna have to do some balm of uh, being more in place comfortably. And so it's a, it was just um, I was learning about ourselves in this time. Yeah, I almost picture it as like a nesting spot, um, kind of sure. like really to be able to nestle somewhere and to feel fully embraced and supported, kind of like in the hugs that we're missing, kind of like in a very tactile way, uh, getting that softness. That yeah, well, and 
yeah, my daughter wanted to, she wanted to convert her closet into a cave, you know, like full of blankets and pillows and her stuffies that was comfortable. Her So to really listen to yeah. what the kids wanted. And, and then, you know, my other child was really clear. It's like, I need something to distract me. I need this and that. It's like, oh, okay, right. Okay. So just listening and modifying you know, their landscape, your landscape's still inside your house. It's still a landscape. And so just to, I mean, it's a makeover and not in a way of like, let's do all the projects we always wanted to do, but in a way of going, how can this space meet our needs better right now? That's beautiful. I've seen a lot of my, um, my clients and friends, um, their kids are building tents and forts um, and really kind of camping inside and uh, how much that's created. Like, let's do a picnic in the living room, sitting on the floor, and let's have a little, like, let's have, we, we lit a fire the other day in April, and it's like, let's have a fire, let's have a fire night, um, which we'll be doing outdoors by this time. Yeah, I think also, you know, as a parent, and, and as a, even a non-parent, as a human, novelty, goes such a long way celebration and ceremony go such a long way and we are of a particular culture i'm of a particular culture that doesn't have a tremendous amount of celebration or ceremony so to create those things now that are particularly comforting and it doesn't have to be anything traditional um it can just be wednesday nights is now indoor picnic night or Thursday nights, we camp outside and you're just developing a sort of, a routine is too strong of a word. It's almost, but it's like um, touchstones of, of um, rhythms that you can sort of depend on, which is all that we're missing, right? We're, we're all missing what we depended on. We're missing the structures, the interactions, the availability of everything we were used to. And then you took away that structure and everyone's sort of swirling around, even though for so many basic needs are all available to us, but the routine in which we were used to getting them was displaced. And so we're reacting to the, the loss of a routine. And so I don't necessarily think that, I mean, at least for us, it wasn't about, right, school's at seven and, and we have to get, all get up at the same time and all put on the same clothes because those are not really necessary, but anchoring to some sort of routine or some or novel celebration or ceremony just um it it added it kind of elevated the times it elevated it was comforting but it also made it sort of special sort of like you know i've been through various catastrophes of natural and non-natural uh, origins in my lifetime in my childhood and the things that stand out for me during that time was how the adults were reacting to it and and I can still I could call up I mean I went through a very large earthquake I'm from California where um, houses fell down and it was very scary but I can remember um, what it was like sleeping outside and and going through and the, the different ways that everyone dealt with coping with it really still are um, big memories 
of my childhood. And so I'm, we're, I'm just thinking more from that perspective, which is what's going on right now is not going to be the thing that my children remember um, about like what's on the news and details. Like they're really going to remember what we, how we dealt with it and how we created a space for them. Like that's going to be what emerges for them. So I'm just always keeping that in my mind. That is such a great perspective. I've had so much memory, so many images that have come up from my childhood. And it was, diff it was different because it was more political situation and political changes and hunger and no electricity and years of not enough food and shortages and coupons and not having anything in the store. And like I've processed some of that over the first few weeks. But what I do remember is not so much that. Autobiographically, what I remember is how much fun it was to have candles everywhere because there was no electricity mm. and how my parents made dates in the shadows right. of candles and um the ways that like i learned how to bake because we had no bread but we could bake at home uh and so those those are really for me kind of touchstones of normalcy at a time that was really really discombobulating um and so i'm really really glad that that's been like that for you as well so rich, so wonderful. I'm very grateful for your contribution. Is there anything you'd like to say that we might not have touched on that you think is important for people to hear? Oh, no, I, you know, I appreciate the space to do the interview because it helps me verbalize things that maybe I've thought as feelings, <laughs> but I appreciate the space to get to work through my own thoughts. I mean, I think interviews are equally beneficial. So I've, I've said my bit for now and I'm gonna process the um, responses that you invoked. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. I know that you are one of the voices that people who are interested in natural movement and rewilding and really giving their kids access to nature really want to hear um to me you've always been a comforting and a hopeful voice and i know that many of the people who follow you that we're in touch with feel that way as well and um i'm i'm thrilled that that was possible for us to talk even at a time that wi-fi might not be easy to get and just i feel very lucky <laughs> oh i love you dear thank love you so much you. for the work you do galena thank you thank you so much katie thank you for for talking to our people and all the best to your family and be safe thank you. Thank you. We had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. April Graham, a naturopath practicing exclusively with families, children, and parents about her own experience during this time and how we can best support our kids through nutrition, local remedies, and supplements. So I'm really curious your mom yourself mm -hmm. three, three and a half yeah uh yeah he's actually going to be four in just a couple weeks so lovely yeah as a parent yourself and a doctor and somebody who has a really whole body and whole world view on how to help our children during this time what would you say is something that parents could do on a daily basis to support their children's immune systems, but not just directly through, maybe some people are thinking about food or supplements, 
but even just broader than that to help them thrive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so many things. I feel like uh, vitamins and supplements, I think probably most of your listeners already kind of know what they should be doing for their kids from that standpoint. Um, and so I do think there's value to going beyond that. And we know that our immune systems are um, more active, they function better when we are under less stress. So I feel like that's probably the number one thing when it comes to supporting immune systems uh, for our kids. How do we how do we help our children be less stressed or recover better from their day? Right now, I find that. You know, kids are missing their friends and their teachers, and that's what's stressing them out the most. Exactly, exactly. Um, social support is so incredibly important for our kids. So um, that in and of itself is one major thing, is trying to maintain some kind of normalcy when it comes to social support. Um, you know, we have to, uh, we have guidelines and, and rules that we are um, following, but you know, within that, there might be some things that we can do, um, like in, you know, allowing maybe children in neighborhoods even to be able to, you know, be within six feet of each other kind of a thing and just explaining to them, you know, why we're doing this. Um, They might not fully understand, but the more that we can um, treat them with respect as if they have the capability to understand, I feel like that's really, really important, Um, uh, you know, not in a scary way, but just in a a really honest, authentic way. So I think that the social support is is important. Um, My son, you know, he's, I just have uh, one child. And so if it weren't for his Montessori school being open, I would be really concerned about him, to be honest. Um, Not having the social support of other kids um, especially when that's what he's used to. He's used to going to his Montessori school. So I'm really thankful because part of what makes, I think, the Montessori method in and of itself really unique and special is back in uh, world wars, in um, other pandemics, they've been a staple and a key to, to staying open. So I did kind of feel like it was important to mention that and then I'm thankful that he does still have that. Um, the other thing that I think is really, really important is for us to do our own kind of um, healing work and energetic work for ourselves. Um, If we let too much fear in, if we let too much of um, what's happening in society and what people are saying in the media and this and that, if we we don't have some boundaries around that, then it's going to take our energy. And then we're not going to have the energy to spend with our children. That's huge. Do you find that for kids, things like taking a bath, like I can tell like as an adult, I can reduce my stress by, you know, doing some self-care. A child can't do self-care. They do play and they do communication with parents. But do you feel like, you know, taking a bath with Epsom salts or rubbing their feet or something like that can be helpful? Yes, yes. I love that idea so much. Um, Anything that we can do to really connect with our children is going to just soothe their soul to like no end. Um, We can't even 
fathom how much even that little bit of time with them is going to soothe them and their souls. And, and that self-care, then just loving to, to um, uh, you know, have that attention from, from their parents is so important. My little, my little one, he will ask me for a massage, <laughs> say, mommy, could I have a massage? Cause I've been kind of massaging his back and, um, and he'll just ask me and no matter what I'm doing, pretty much, I'll just drop everything like, okay, let's do this. Or if I can't like, okay, um, you know, not now, but we can do this, this um, later. And so I think the other really important part of that is just being present with our children. Um, and so how can we be present with our children if we cannot be present with ourselves? I want to ask some specific questions that are really in your expertise. Um, do you find that I know there's a lot of people who are into essential oils? Do you find like a diluted essential oil is appropriate for children or it's too strong because it's too strong of a medicine? Um, that's a really good question. You know, I'll, I definitely use essential oils diluted um, with, with my son. And I think that's totally fine um, given that they're really safe essential oils. Always with essential oils, it's really important to know and understand that they are really, really, really powerful. And um, in some ways, I think that certain essential oils, or if they're not diluted enough, might just be too much um, stimulation, too much, might overpower their little systems in a sense. Um, and so it's really important just to, to keep, you know, pretty diluted, only use really well-known safe essential oils like uh, lavender or chamomile um, or rose or something like that. Yeah, I love that. And how about herbs? Like, I, okay, it's not a secret that you make me a tea. <laughs> you make me a tea that I drink for my medicine. But can our children take herbs as well? They absolutely can. Um, herbs are wonderful for children. One of the things I love about herbs, besides the the constituents that are in them that, you know, might be um, most herbs have some level of being antimicrobial, um, but, and, you know, they might be relaxing, stress, you know, working with the adrenals, like all these things are great. But what I really, really love about herbs and where I see the magic is that um, it's a connection with nature. Um, every time we have a little cup of tea, it's a connection with nature. And so, you know, at, at nighttime, we just sort of have a routine of making a tea and I say, who wants tea? And, and my son always says, yeah, I want tea. And he might not have much. He might just have like a sip or two. But I really like that um, he's coming to see that as, you know, having a routine and something kind of a little bit of self-care. Like he's important enough to sit down and have a cup of tea. And, uh, you know, don't even get me started on that. But I think... Um, that's really important for us to teach the, our, our young boys that self-care is okay for them too. And so that's something that um, I really focus on with, with my child. I love that. I love that. So we touched on a lot of really helpful subjects. In case, just a little PS question, in case somebody doesn't know about supplements, um, do you have like a top two or three that are your favorite for kids in your support? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so lemon balm is wonderful because it is antiviral. 
and um, it also helps just calm down the nerves. And so it's a great one. It's, it's not sedative at all, but it's a really good one if um, kids are just kind of feeling a little bit on edge. And um, I, I think it's important to always go back to, well, why are they feeling on edge? Are you feeling on edge? What's going on with you? But in the spirit of just talking about herbs, um, lemon balm is fantastic. Um, and I prefer it in a glycerite form or tea form. Um, that way, because a tincture has alcohol in it and that, um, you know, honestly, a little bit of alcohol and, you know, depending on the weight of the kid might not be a big deal, but why do we need to do that? And the glycerites taste better too. Um, so chamomile is also really great because it's bitter, um, which is wonderful. Like before meals, if your child is having any issues with digestion, um, you can do a little bit of a chamomile glyceride or tea maybe 15 minutes before a meal, and um, that will actually help to get their digestive uh, enzymes going naturally and help them to digest their food. But it's also calming, which is really wonderful. And then um, my third one, um, I want to say fennel, um, just because like when kids might be gassy or, um, you know, have little tummy aches, fennel is just a great one to also have on hand. And that's fennel seed? Uh, yeah, fennel seed is is what they use, but it can be in a tea, um, and it, you know you can make up the tea like a little bit of fennel. You could even do like a little bit of peppermint tea as well, kind of like mix them together. Put a little bit of honey in there, you know, raw honey in there um, if they're over one year of age. And um, uh, yeah, you could also do a fennel glycerate. I love that. That's so great. Fennel is one of my favorites. I make a ginger fennel tea that I mm. enjoy, and I use the fennel seed whole and just kind of steep it. It's really lovely. That is so, that sounds so lovely. Yeah, fennel and ginger, it's a good combo. It is a really good combo, and it's really soothing to digestion. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. April, for coming. <laughs> It's just such a such a joy to have you and have your expertise and your loving care as a mom and a practitioner here for our listeners. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Galena. So much love and peace to you and all of your listeners. Dr. Mike Valentine is a doctor of clinical psychology and psychopathology who has spent his whole life, his whole career, helping people with difficult discipline problems, both in the family and within the school system. He is the author of How to Deal with Discipline Problems in the Schools and How to Deal with Difficult Discipline Problems. He is somebody that we dearly, dearly respect, and we're so happy that he agreed to come on and share some of his experience and wisdom with us. Roland was asking this morning, right now, you know, parents are going through a lot, being at home, juggling work, and homeschooling, and their own relationships. And is this a time, given that the children are missing their friends, missing their teachers and structure that we should insist on structure because that's helpful or we should give kids more freedom so that we're not adding to their stress yeah. hmm. it's yin and the yang huh? mm -hmm. Both perspectives well um, 
I sort of fall on the side a little bit more of having a little bit more structure initially in terms of uh, especially rearranging the house and stuff in terms of getting up in the morning, getting things going, then what are you going to do? And then you have some school work that you have to have the kids working. So I kind of look at it as if we can get into a routine of some type, but have built into that routine a lot of flexibility for kids to have some fun and enjoy and learn. But uh, I, I would kind of go with um, some of the school work because I'm sure they have to have to do some school things. And then also maybe some type of physical activity like yoga or some something along that line, which would be for fun. Um, and also uh, looking into some new hobbies or new interests. Uh, it's time to take up maybe some singing or some music or some type of activity or skill, maybe doing puzzles or whatever, mm. problem solving. But it also gives parents, I think, a good time to go back and start teaching um, things like, in, in terms of like cooking. Well, what you want to do is go back and you can add in almost everything you want. You can start talking about measurements, getting organized, what things do you need, how do you prepare for it, how do you plan and then actually have the kids, especially, well, it depends on what age ki the kids are, too. I mean, fairly young, all the way to high school levels. But uh, young kids can start learning how to cook and make a meal for the dinner so they can have a purpose of saying, okay, the night's your night, and what can we do, and how do we organize it, and how do you structure it, and how do you prepare for it, and just go through those kind of the routines. But also, then you can add in, as I say, other dimensions. Like, where did the food come from? How did it get here? Uh, how was it packaged? How, what, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. uh, what process did they have to go through? And what do you have to do? I mean, even, even things like if you have to boil water, you'd be even talking about science and different states of water and gases and, and uh, this type of thing. And uh, also safety with all that. How do you plan ahead so that you just don't, uh, burn yourself. I mean, depending again the age, but you can start structuring the environment for them and teach them a lot of new skills. So there's a there's kind of good news and bad news. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is you can have a lot of fun teaching and showing them how to do it, but then a lot of times there's, as you say, too much going on, and your people having to take care of their own, going to work and trying to figure out how to make a living and there's no relationship. So it's. it's as you say, make it simple, but it's complex. <laughs> it can be yeah. as simple as it can be or complex. And then you can do it with style and humor and laugh about it, or um, especially the first time you make some cookies or do something with the kids and it doesn't quite turn out right. <laughs> you have to laugh. Yeah. yeah. Have a good time with it. So. I love that. I love that. I love the idea of structure, yeah. but also play. And how even something that's really maybe considered mundane, like cooking, yeah. preparing a meal or, you know, brushing teeth or whatever the mundane thing is, can become a, a lesson. Right. It was um, nice to see some activities I was looking at online for really little kids where you teach them what soap does to bacteria by setting up these little science experiments. Maybe your grandkids are exactly the right age for it where you put a, a bowl of water and you put black pepper on the surface of the water 
And then you touch it with your finger and nothing happens, but you dip your finger in soap and then you touch it and you can just see, you know, the ripple effect of the soap and how all the black pepper just retreats. And uh, you can just see that on the face of the kids who are like, oh, we understand now we should wash our hands. Even hand washing can be a lesson. That's exactly what I was talking about. And there's so many great things on the internet. I mean, there's programs and stuff, and they actually have things for kids from different ages, though. Mm-hmm. So ages all the way to high school in terms of science and math and fun. Yeah. So. yeah, wonderful. So one of the things that parents are coming to um, Roland and I with is they're, they're feeling really challenged when their kids are out of control. Their emotions are like some of the parents will say in the red zone, right? Like kids are so upset or frustrated that parents are talking and kids are not listening. Um, And in that moment, um, you know, a parent might end up yelling or um, taking a kid and shutting them in their room, which is not helpful. So what do they do in that moment? What's some practical advice from your, you know, decades of experience? When I watch parents, and I used to go around giving workshops all over the country and internationally, um, I shot people a little time. I said, when kids act up and they're doing something inappropriately in terms of the context, and I don't call it bad behavior or anything, I'd just say it's not appropriate for that context or whatever it is. I'd say, um, if you watch what they say and do, rarely do they ever say what they want the kid to stop doing and as what is it they really want them to start doing. And in the start doing portion of it, as I said, well, what is it you really would like to do? Well, I want them to play better with their sister or brother so they're not punching each other's brains out. Mm-hmm. So I said, why don't we move it all back before we start getting to the red zone? And you hear it coming. In fact, I hear parents come in. They say, I'm too tired to deal with it now. And I said, well, what's going to happen? They said, oh, yeah, within five minutes, somebody's going to be crying and somebody's going to be hurting their mm-hmm. office and send them to bed. And I say, well, you'd be too tired to deal with it in five minutes? For 10 minutes and they said no I said then well let's see if we can go back a little bit and see if we can intervene early so mm. what the antecedents or the things or the precursors to it what what it, what happened what's going on can you hear it start then you go back and say okay here's how you deal with anger or frustration you don't have to hit your sister you stop it before it gets going mm. now, there's still things that happen, happen afterwards but most of those things I don't think work sometimes they work Sometimes they don't. But for the most part, when they say, oh, well, we send them to the room. Well, I say, well, how did you send them to the room? I told them to go there. Well, if he's really out of control, does he go? No. Oh, what did you do then? Well, I had to pick him up and I dragged him into the room and I put mm. him in. And I said, okay, so you put him in the room. What happened then? Well, then he's yelling and screaming and he tore everything up in the room. And I said, well, what did you do about when he tore up the room? And he said, nothing. It's his toys. And by the way, I'm not getting him anything to replace them either. And so mm. they thing so they come up with elaborate what i call x y contracts if you do this then i'm going to do y punish mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. your reward well i say does that work and a lot of times and sometimes it does uh, but kids that are really having difficulty i've had parents say if you do this you know uh, you'll fail and i said well he's not doing it so he's going to fail do you want to intervene and do something to help him be successful well, no, that's his choice. He's 16. He should know better. I said, yeah, apparently he should know better, but by his behavior, he's not. So is that something you'd like to help out and see if we can get him to go to school, be there, do his work so he doesn't fail? And I can show him interventions to do that, but not punish him. Mm-hmm. Then I've had parents, will say, they'll send him to his room, 
And also I said, what does he do? He yells and screams and cusses me out. And I said, what did you say and do about all that? Well, they get upset and angry and then sometimes they really lose it and they might even hit them or spank them or uh, yell at them at something else. And I said, well, has that worked? No. So then I go back and I said, well, let's go back and look at the precursors and figure out how to intervene a little bit earlier. And what happens is a lot of parents have been taught and that's psychologists like uh, in the field, I, I made a living going around saying some of the stupid things we do in psychology and education. Um, they're following some of the things that experts have told them to do. Mm-hmm. And so say, you should be doing this, and it's after the fact. And I say, well, how did you get them to do it? I told them this, 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 and I said, did he do it? Now, sometimes they can get them to do it. And I say, well, wow. So that tells me you're very capable of getting them to do it. Why don't you move back and get him to do at step one, two, or three before he gets completely out of control? Mm-hmm. Show him what you want him to do. Show him how to calm down. And again, you can add 100 different tricks to the trade, so to speak here. I mean, you can do the, uh, I know you do a lot of yoga and breathing and relaxation. So I mean, you can go back and teach them breathe. Now look at it. So it's a what situation. What's, what can you do? What could be some choices to solve this problem? How, how could you do it? And then you say, for example, um, sometimes with the real young kids, especially three or four, they have big meltdowns or temper tantrums. And I usually say, well, at that time, just walk over and pull them in and hug them and tell them, in our family, we don't hit. You don't have to scream. You know, just take a deep breath and then calm them down and say, now, what could you do and how can we handle this? And get, get them to do that. Well, if they stop hitting, then you don't have to worry about them hitting. Parents say, if you do this again, um, you'll lose whatever. Right. And I say, does he do it again? And boy says, well, if you loved your sister, you wouldn't hit her. And I say, well, if he hits a sister again, this is a clear message. He doesn't love her. You can't control people liking it or loving it but you can control hitting within that one of the biggest things is uh what i call an in versus an out philosophy of solutions to problems kids need to know that they're loved cared and they're secure and what happens when we get mad a lot of times we basically go out so when you send them to time out that's sort of an out you're not no longer part of the family for for a while until you calm down well, I can pull them in and hug them and say, you can calm down and you're part. And I can say, I care about you and I love you and I'm going to help you. And after we, after you learn how to do this, I'll back off and you can have more freedom and do what you want. But the extremes of that is uh, in schools, a lot of times it's, if the kid doesn't act appropriately, we send them outside. Right. And a parent, parent comes and says, I don't think my son's learning very much outside, <laughs> standing outside the door. <laughs> By the way, the teacher that made him go outside the door, I've had many of teachers have done this they make them stand on one side of the door so they can see them and watch them because they have to keep keep them under observation and i say so this is an uncontrollable kid he doesn't do anything you tell him to do but you told him to go outside and stand on the left hand side so that you can see and observe him i had one kid skills to make it happen almost all the kids that i see that really really act up especially in school and don't have the skill they don't have the skills a lot of them don't know how to do it and yeah. so I said, well, let's move it back, figure out what it is. But people say, well, we don't have time to uh, spend to do that. And I say, well, um, you have the time 10 years from now when he's in deep trouble. Yeah. Um, and so in a sense, this thing that's going on right now gives you a little extra time to see, reconnect and re-engage. Right. And every day come up and hug him and say, man, I love you. And a good another little thing you can do is, this is kind of fun to go back and go through the baby books with them. Mm. And 
with them and say, you know, when you were this, and I can remember holding you and loving you and telling you how much, and then, you know, when you're two, and have a sequence. And then you learn how to do this. And then I remember the first time you were riding, and I was so proud of you when you got, and you just rode the bike and you go through and you tell, tell them, hey, I care about you. And the kids need to know that there's people, they can count on it. Something that I heard from you that I've heard you say before is as a parent is seeing the child going through a difficult situation, to, to stay close to the child, to include the child, to assure them that they're loved, and then to tell them, this is what I want you to stop doing, and this is what I want you to start doing. Right. And I think so often parents, you know, because they have flipped their lid, they, they can tell the kid what they want them to stop doing, but there's not that clear instruction, and this is what I want you to start doing. Although try it two times and it doesn't work and then they get mad instead of just staying with it. Right. Uh, and I don't know, like I don't have kids of my own other than my stepkids and I, I haven't had to directly parent them, but I don't know what it's like when you try and it doesn't work and it try and it doesn't work. That probably makes a parent feel horrible. Let me give, let me give you two quick examples if it's, if it's okay. Mm-hmm. One was with my youngest son, who is now 6'3", 200 and some pounds and uh, surgical nurse and going there. But he always wanted, he's three years younger than the oldest boy, and he always wanted to stay up with the little boys. He wanted to learn, you know, they want to do what the oldest one did and so forth. Well, one time they had, this was when they were fairly young, no more than probably two and a half, three years old. He went after Scott, whatever, he was mad about something, and he went to bite him. And so I got in between, intervened, pulled him in, pulled him in real close to me. And I was a little afraid he was going to bite me, but I was make sure he didn't. I said, All right, stop doing that in this family. We don't hit. We don't do that. We're doing we'll Calm down. And then we're going to do it. And so then we had to go to bed. Now, I don't want to go to bed. And I can't do it. And he's crying. So I said, here, let me help you. And I pick him up and start woken up the thing. And try to be calm and nice to him. And, pull him. and then he said, get brush your teeth. I don't want to brush my teeth. And so we help brush the teeth. And then we go through the thing, we go to the bathroom. Yeah, I don't need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And people are going, God, where's that coming from? From this little kid. Anyway, then I'd take him over. He's still upset. And then we had to pick up his toys and clean up the room. And I don't want to. I can't do it. Here, let me help you. And I took him and I'd bend over with us and pick up the toys and put it in the basket. I can't. And I'm going through, I'm doing this. And I put him down and then I get him in the bed. And then I have him lay down. And then all I do is think, start rubbing his hands a little bit and start saying, take a deep breath and just relax. And then what is, let's think of some little flowers or something that we did that day or some music. You always like the Beethoven or uh, Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture. And so we'd say, play the canons and play. think about that and just see if you see it in your mind. And then just do that. And after I get him calmed down, I rub his and I say how much I love him. And I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow. And I hope he has sweet dreams and say, sweet dreams, something about. And we sometimes we play like swimming, we go under the water. And then, so we do all that. <clears throat> so the next night, he, he has to go to bed. Ah, we go do the routine again. And about the third time, he says, okay. So he finally gets into doing it. And then I say, I tell you what, you go do this part. And then, then I'll come up and I'll rub your head and do this. And he go up and do it all by himself. He come in and do it. Rub his head. We just make that a routine. A little, and I tell him again, our new skill that he's learning. Or what did he learn? New vocabulary. What was the word? Just the, gently. Yeah. And, and then yeah. he does it on his own. And I'm going, okay. So, so something that you're really affirming in me is this idea. Because, you know, I'm... I'm 
my my work with parents is to help them regulate their own nervous systems right and understand where their bodies are and to remove themselves from situations where they have flipped their lids because that's not helping the children and regulate and come back so they can have a more inclusive approach but one thing that i see is often parents punish children for skills they don't have that's right and it's just heartbreaking and uh I know I was I was always myself a very um, strong-willed person since I was very very small, and my parents would try something once and give up. Right. Like all they tried was once, and I could like I could cry and manipulate them. Right. I could you know I could do all sorts of stuff and not let my parents parent, and so I think my parents gave up on parenting very early, which was to my detriment. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. Like things could have gone really bad. And there's basically three, four things that kids do to get out. First of all, they act inappropriate because they don't know any better. And I say, that's simple. Teach them the skills, teach them how to do it, figure out how to do it. Number two, they procrastinate. They don't do things that they don't like. They'll put it off just like everybody else. There's no pathology in that. Mm -hmm. Adults do it all the time. You don't like certain tasks. You don't do it until somebody says, ah, you got to do it now. You have to turn it in tomorrow. That's your job. This would have it here, but even at work. I mean, I used to do case studies. I hated doing case studies. It was a waste of time a lot of time. But the secretary, the, my boss would say, Valentine, turn it in, have it in there tomorrow. Oh, okay, you turn it to get it done. The third thing is they've learned to get away with it. And that's the big part. They, they look, kids will play mom and dad back and forth. They say, oops, dad's in a bad move. I think I'll go ask mom. And they learn how to play that. And then parents will say even outlandish things. You do that again, I'll kill you. And the kid knows you're not going to. Some parents might, but most They're not dead yet. Yeah, they're not <laughs> dead. Then the fourth thing is what I just told you about. They got to know where they fit in. Yeah. And do, do I count? Am I important? Do I have some skills? Do I help out in this family? And they do that. The biggest problem is a lot of times when you talk to moms and dads, and the, and the mistake that a lot of us made is psychology, then we blame the parents because we'll say, oh, it's because they're crummy parents. I've had so many quote unquote crummy parents by other people's definitions. What will happen is they get caught in a, what I call a pickle. Because usually what happens is when a parent takes a firm stand and then they lose it and then they yell and scream and they might even spank them. Then afterwards, when they separate, what happens? They feel crummy. They don't want to do that. And they say, I don't want to ever do that again. Yeah. So now they have to get control of myself as a parent, a mom. And so they try harder. And then they try harder. And then they bend over backwards even more. So now the kid, instead of going to 10, will go to 15 or 20 before the parent blows up. And then someplace along the line, they usually had it. And then they hurt them. And then they really feel crummy. We invited Joanna Zaremba, a restorative exercise specialist and coach, to help us understand how play can play an important role in the health of your children and your family and how you can best play indoors and out. And please don't forget to check the show notes where you can access her online classes and learn directly from her how to better play with your children. Hi, Joanna. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Galena. So excited to be here. So you are coming on as our kind of play mastermind. 
And uh, I just want to hear from you as a parent and also as a teacher of movement and this play approach to um, helping our kids get more movement and be outside. How has this weird time been for you being indoors more? Yeah, um, it is. It's definitely a weird time um, for all of us. Uh, we're a little unique because we live right by trails. So we are outside a decent amount right now. But being inside and being away from um, our normal routine is it's a little off-putting. The kids can get a little bit stir-crazy. Um, you know, I think we're all, I feel like it's a pressure cooker. You know, like we're all under a little bit of a pressure cooker where we're not necessarily able to do what we want to do as adults and as kids. And so that can sometimes lead to conflict. So it's, it's, it's definitely a unique time in that way. Yeah, for sure. And so um, just for the listeners, can you tell us how old your child is and, uh, and how has it been for, for him? Yeah, my son is five and he has been in a preschool and, and that stopped, oh gosh, um, early March. And so, yeah, it's been different for him as well. The routine is mostly the thing that's been thrown off as well as um, mom time <laughs> to work and for self-care. So um, I think my son actually has really enjoyed having the time with both parents home. Truthfully, I think it's been really fun for him. And um, we've been navigating kind of how to all get our needs met. I think that's been probably the big, biggest challenge for us. But we've also been really um, grateful because play has given us an outlet for um, letting go of some frustration and some emotions that otherwise might kind of get stuck if we didn't have some ways to kind of get them to move through, um, you know, when things naturally come up. Stuff is just going to come up, especially now. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give listeners some practical uh, maybe ideas or tools for play indoors, outdoors, and just how have you been approaching it as a parent and also as a teacher? Um, great question. Play has become a bigger part of our life in the last few months. And uh, one resource that I really love is this book called Attachment Play by Aletha Salter. It's amazing, and it talks even about um, the research and the reasoning behind play and what it does for you and how healing it is. Um, so that's been a wonderful resource for us. And so what we'll do often is um, not only we do just kind of like free play, you know, where we're kind of following our, our son and doing what he wants to do, but we'll also do some intentional play around, um, like we'll do separation play. That's uh, one of the ones that we'll do that's pretty helpful. A hide and go seek is like the typical separation play. Um, but sometimes we'll be silly in addition to that and the parent can't find the kid. So we add a little bit of just silly into it, which usually gets giggles and the giggles allow them to release some of that stuff that he's been holding on to. So that's one simple, easy separation game. Earlier today, we were playing one where um, it was a combination game. Um, Happy Puppy is one that um, I'm not sure if I got it from Aletha or from uh, Marion Rose also has an attachment play course um, online. That's great. And Happy Puppy is basically like you have the puppy and you ask the puppy not to do certain things and you leave the room and you say, Happy Puppy, I'm sure you're not going to do X, Y, and Z while I'm gone. I'm just going to go in the other room. Exactly. You come back and you're like, oh, Happy Puppy, oh, I can't believe you just did da, 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 da. And you know that he loves that one. He could play that one all day long. So we ended up taking it where Happy Puppy chased me. And I, I was like, oh, Happy Puppy, I'm so scared of this Happy Puppy. 
And so anytime like they're chasing you and you're acting scared and, and you know, that allows them to have also some power um, that maybe they're not having in daily life. And so we like to use those kind of games too, where the happy puppy gets to on purpose, not listen to mom. The happy puppy gets to do naughty things, jump on the bed, jump on the couch, sometimes pee on the floor, you know, um, you can just make it as silly as you want to make it um, with that. So that one's a, a big winner. But um, let's see other ones that we like to do. Really, what I will say in general, I'll give some more ideas, but, you know, follow your kids interests. And if your child is kind of a little bit scared about something, you can use play around that as well, like do a little role play or not get too close to it necessarily, but you can be a good way to kind of work through um, a fear like our son was scared of. Um, thunder and lightning last summer we were out on a hike and a storm came close and we were both scared and so we we did some role play with that where his stuffed animals were scared of a storm coming and we got to be really exaggerated and once we got the giggles then we knew we were on the right track so mm -hmm. that's kind of the main thing is the giggles you know um let me see what else do we do i've got a little list of stuff that we enjoy um oh earlier with happy puppy so then happy puppy hid. I said, oh, I hope happy puppy doesn't hide in the house and I won't be able to find him. What a problem. And happy puppy did. And then I finally, I couldn't find happy puppy. I was walking right by him and I still couldn't find him. And he was following me around. And I was like, where is this happy puppy? And then happy puppy appeared. So he got such a kick out of mom. Like she couldn't find him. He was right there at her feet. She basically tripped over him, but she couldn't find him. And so like, you know, those kind of things that like are, actually just kind of like ridiculous the kids love the most you know especially like he's five and I would say this kind of play is really helpful for probably like two to eight year olds um let me see what else I have that we like to do so let's see other stuff that we like to do inside oh another type of play besides kind of power reversal where they're in charge um and they get to have power over you uh, are not listen is contingency play and that's another one in attachment play um so that's one's where that one is where um the kid will do something and the parent will do something in response so it could be really anything um like one that will do that really he enjoys when he's feeling frustrated and maybe a little bit aggressive is i'll say oh please don't touch me with one one finger whatever you do don't touch me with one finger and he touches me with one finger and i usually fall over make a weird sound you know, something really dramatic, and it just immediately shifts his mood from, I'm really frustrated with you, mom, and you're not doing what I want, to, oh, okay, that's right, I can get my frustration out by, like, touching you with one finger, and then making you do ridiculous things, you know, so that's helpful, but you could do it with movement, too, in that, like, your kid could touch you, or do something, and then that thing makes you do jumping jacks, or makes you squat, or makes you get up and down from the ground, um, you know, you can really kind of make it as creative or uh, adaptive as you want in that way. Um, okay, so you said outside too. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. I know you guys are close to trails. Maybe some people right now, if they're in lockdown, maybe they just have access to like, um, you know, a backyard or the trees on the street or a strip of grass. Um, they might not really have access to nature, nature. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the stuff inside can be adapted to outside, but also outside is amazing because you can interact with nature. Even if it's a tiny little strip of nature in your yard, it could be hunting for ants or roly polies, or if it's winter time, um, it could be, you know, a snowball fight. 
Um, and that's, and again, the kid wins, right? If the kid wins and the kid is laughing and the mom's like, or the parents like, how is this happening? You know, you, if you make it ridiculous and nonsensical, they, they really get a kick out of it. Um, we often, when we're going on walks, we've always told stories and my son loves like really silly stories. And so that would keep him kind of happy and entertained. The other day, um, he wanted to be on a leash. <laughs> so, yeah, right. This is like, oh gosh, what are the neighbors going to think? But um, yeah, I took a little yoga strap and put it around his belly, and like we, he he pulled me around to where he wanted to go. He was the doggy. Yeah, right. So you could do that totally in your yard and whatever space you have. You could do it inside as well. Um, these are just kind of ideas to kind of get your imagination going because honestly, like once you kind of open up to this, your imagination and your child, like really like they lead you um, to things to do. Let's see, we like to forage and, you know, so hunting for something in nature is helpful. Like you could, you know, get a foraging book or an app and you could start looking for certain things uh, if it's summertime for you um, or just looking for pine cones or looking for a special type of rock, you know, just that hunt, you know, gets you moving, right? And then like, your eyes get used in a different way as you're hunting. Um, you know, one thing I did want to note is that we've been doing this lately where we do some grounding in nature, not on purpose, but we'll just pause. Like whatever we're doing, we'll spend a few minutes sitting and, you know, children will automatically start to engage with what's around them. And so we'll start building something spontaneously. And just taking that pause has been so helpful for me, at least. I'm assuming it is for him. But they're, they're different creatures, right? Like we are in our heads a little bit more. Um, and it's just so nice just to like notice like, oh, what are the sounds around me? You know, how does the sun feel on my back? Or how does the wind feel? You know, if we're by the creek, you know, listening to the creek. And so I think spending a little bit of time just with them, you know, slowing down, stopping. And then in that position, you know, you can change your position. Like you can squat or you can do some different things for your body. But I think just the slowing down is super important so important because it, it kind of teaches them a different pace and instead of let's just slow down slowing down for something like let's listen to a bird or pick up some ants or we picked up a centipede this morning uh, <laughs> yeah did it, did it go all over your hand where did it go no it was kind of like uh, it seemed like it was really cold and so it wasn't moving much so we just moved it out of the way it was right in front of our front door I don't know how it got there. It was kind of curled up. And so we just moved it over to a sunny spot. Um, but yeah, it's just so amazing. Like for me, the days that I can't get out in nature, I'll just lay under a tree in our backyard and just look at the branches and look at the birds and listen to them. Or I'll sit with my back against the tree and just rest there. And it's just so nourishing. It's so beautiful. I'm just feeling that. I'm soaking that up as you say that, Delina. Yeah, it's so. That, that like sigh, that where you just let go and it's oh, just, so let wonderful. It, let it hold you. Yeah, and just and watching clouds and of course climbing trees and hopping off rocks and climbing rocks and you know all the things that kids kind of just already do. Like we can just follow them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a learning opportunity. I was hanging in our front pine tree the other day. And as I was leaving, I was like, wow, I'm really feeling the smell of this tree. And we had just cleaned some branches the weekend before. My hair was full of resin, just oh, no. full. I was, uh, I was, it was bad. And so I got to learn how to remove resin from hair. 
So, yeah. you know, it's a learning How'd, opportunity. What'd you learn? Alcohol or what, what was olive, it? Olive oil. Olive you, oil. You have to soak it in olive oil for 20 minutes and I wrapped it. Like I took strands of hair that had the resin on it and I wrapped it in, in olive oil and saran wrap and just let it kind of soak and heat a little bit. And it came out. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Usually I'll get sap from hanging on my fingers and I'm like, you know what? The amylase in my saliva works pretty well for food. So I usually just like spit on my hand and let it sit there. So that's good. That wouldn't work for your hair though. No, it would take a lot of spit. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So just my final question to you, also an invitation to our listeners. You have been adapting your play, movement play teaching uh, to an online format. Can you tell us where you teach and, uh, and what does it look like? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's on Core to Core. And basically, um, it's a family play class. It includes um, lots of good movement. Um, the contingency play and power reversal play tends to be like really movement rich. So we'll do those types of play together. And then we'll weave in a little bit to um, some stuff that just helps with like frustration and the things that might be coming up net right now with your kids as well. Um, but basically we come together, say hi, we'll um, learn a game, we'll set a timer for five minutes, we'll do it, we'll come back and connect and kind of see how it went. And what I love about it is just how every family makes it different. You know, like they make it their own and it's just amazing to see kind of how the child like leads it and allows it to turn into something totally different. And then we all kind of benefit and grow from that, you know, that richness of collaboration um, and creativity. So it's really, it's really fun to kind of see where it takes you because you just never know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. So um, we're going to include a link in the show notes so everybody can click to your profile in Court of Court and see your schedule. Awesome. Thank you so much, Galena. This has been fun. It's so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. And you are my foraging inspiration for the summer. So I'll be talking to you again. Yes, I can't wait. I've been looking for asparagus, but it's way too early. It's way too early. But we went and we know where it is because we can see the old unpicked kind of the stalks, the dry stalks. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, Christmas trees. And in the fall, they turn gold. So they're really easy to see in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Roland. And thank you so much for listening to the Kids at Home edition of the Move Live 52 podcast. For any of the resources we talked about in today's episode, please go to the show notes at eatmovelive52.com slash kids at home. There you'll find all the links that we've mentioned and links to subscribe to this podcast and also to leave us a rating or a review. And of course, if you know somebody who has kids at home who could use this episode, we would love it if you'd share it with them right now. Thanks and have a great day.